to S Cafe House, a podcast brought to you by the Baroque music collective Solomon's Knot. This is a place where we chat to interesting people and explore ideas behind upcoming projects. Please subscribe and spread the word. And you can sign up for our newsletter at solomonsknotcollective.com to keep up to date with what we're doing next. So today Johnny has handed me the reins and I've chosen to discuss a topic which has been simmering in my mind for a while. I'm going to be investigating the experience of singing religious music as a confidently non-religious person, chatting to director Tom Guthrie, Solomon's Not Sopranos, Zoe Brookshaw and Claire Lloyd Griffiths, and the preacher of Lincoln's Inn, the Reverend Sheila Watson. Should we check how crunchy the biscuits and mm. the mics I'd like to start by saying that I'm really hoping this conversation is taken simply in the spirit of open discussion and questioning. It comes with utmost respect for those on the entire spectrum, from confidently non-believing to steadfastly devout. I've got no qualifications to ask these questions, beyond the fact that I've accidentally spent two decades singing mostly religious repertoire, and I'm curious to discuss the experience of doing so. I'm hoping to invite you into some quite informal conversations, which happened in pubs, on trains and public parks even. This means the audio might have a rather realistic quality, but I hope you'll feel welcome in this ongoing dialogue in which we mostly discover that no one has any definite answers. I'm chatting in the ship pub. That's important that we say that, I think, because it's quite noisy, but quite it's noisy, pleasingly but informal and yes, atmospheric. and dark panels. So we should say that too. Your, yes, Context. pour yourself a glass of wine. No doubt. <laughs> um, we're in the pub. And I'm talking to Tom Guthrie, who is a director, singer, sometimes violinist. Yeah, is that right? I'll take and, it, yeah. Yeah, and um, I kind of think person that takes things off the page and puts them in space. Oh. You can use that. Can you? Yeah, can I yeah, have Thank you very much. In some degree, sometimes with puppets, although, like, mm. the puppet thing is tricky for me because mm. I think like they're on a thin line between, like, incredibly compelling and very beautiful creepy? and really, really sinister. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure about the puppets, but um, yes. I first met you in Dartmoor Prison. You did. I don't think we should say anything else about that. <laughs> no, don't, please just don't leave mention. it as that was it. <laughs> Tantalising, isn't it? Great. So I first met Tom in a prison, and um, Tom has done various things with Solomon's Knot. The last thing, the first thing, last, mm. I don't know, certainly mm. something Many recently, things. was um, helping us with the Bach motets, which we did at, is it Lytham, the London International Festival of uh, New Music? Do they call it that? Do they, do they spell out the... Uh, Lytham. Yes. Lytham. Yes. Um, in Blackheath. Mm. And we've since sung that in Bruges. And we also did the various other places with Mahal. Lovely, so yes, the nice. Yes. Yes. Um, and I suppose I thought of you in my quest to understand this topic of singing religious music as some degree of a non-religious person is because I think that you've got a really kind of acute sense of like stripping away artful bullshit and layers of artifice and familiarity and maybe a bit of tradition and established ways of doing things and mm. maybe getting to the kind of human kind of crux mm. of what are you saying and what are you trying to communicate and why are you doing this and something quite kind of raw, I think I described it, you about how you, a great word. how you describe things to us, and I really like that. So if you can indulge me in my explaining slightly where this topic came from, 
you have to indulge me because <laughs> yeah, you're, no, just, you can't go anywhere. No. You can drink no wine I while I'm like a sip it. And, yeah. and I love so listening to you. I was do- <laughs> so I was doing a concert by Mrs. Lemons with John Elliott yes. Gardner somewhere, I can't remember where. And I had this kind of like slight moment of epiphany. I think mm. Zoe's going to tell me that's the wrong use of word of epiphany, but a <laughs> moment of revelation where I had been worried for a while about the sense of insincerity in performing a religious piece and feeling like whatever I, the text I was communic- communicating, conveying, that I didn't believe it to any degree. So how could I communicate it without any kind of barrier, without kind of acting it or pretending? Or like what was what was the way to put the music across and trying trying to feel that my connection with the audience was really immediate. And I you know that people often say, oh it doesn't matter if you don't really believe, oh I've got a slightly, you know, loose understanding of it or all this kind of stuff. None of that really kind of sat really right with that. me. No. I don't like that. No. And so I, I suddenly have this revelation, and again bear with me because I know I seem absolutely insane. But I had this sense that if I replaced the the words of the the mass and the sense of there being God in any context in any context within the mass if I replaced it with a sense of it being about nature then I immediately could understand and communicate without any barrier everything I was saying like the sense of majesty and glory of God all now translated as if you will into nature or the sense of um, forgive us our sins because um, you know we are realizing that nature is the key for everything for us and our happiness and, and the kind of key to our existence yet we are totally ruining it all and the kind of the, the kind of big magisterial aspect of nature and all the small tiny details and wonder and awe and consolation for sure especially um, like post pandemic when you know I know for a lot of people they found kind of great solace in being in nature and I suddenly kind of had this revelation that I was like, maybe I don't have to worry about whether I believe in God or not. Maybe I need to find my own translation of this music and then I can just sing it with fervour. You know, fervour can be non-religious. You know, and, and put this across, thinking this is what I'm, this is how I'm interpreting. And it suddenly just made me think, like, it's mad that I have spent 20 years of my life singing religious music when I am in no way religious. It's, I'm not from that tradition at all. Yeah. It's not a world I understand. I feel quite an outsider to all that tr- are tradition. You a bit, are you anti it a bit? I, mean, do you have I a, don't think I am, no. no. I mean, I've sung in churches for years and I have a deep respect for the, um, the tradition and the, the kind of repose. Like, I love Compline more than anything. I like taking time to quietly sit in a beautiful space and just consider things. And I love the sense of doing things correctly. You know, I love people to wear a smart suit. Mm, I, I love the sense the of respect. Occasion. There's a no, ritual I definitely of have a great respect for it. But equally, mm. I feel like there's a, a huge sense of presumed knowledge with religion that I don't have. You know, when people say, oh, yes, well, obviously, we'll replace the doxology with a liturgy according to the sacrament of the thing, and the glory will be at the end of the service. Yes, yeah, on like, the third I Sunday think, after Trinity. Yes, yes, I have no idea what you're saying. No. It's like when people don't understand things about wine. Yes. Or, you know, any of those. Yes, yeah, so there's a kind of ex- exclusive element to it. That yeah, you, you don't and I feel like I, I very much admired this kind of devout, religious fervor that people have, but I definitely don't have it. But yet, I've, you know, I... I 
spend so many hours singing religious music that I kind of feel like, why have I never really thought about it? And I kind of wondered if you, similarly, maybe you don't, or I don't know where you are on the scale of considering yourself to be in no way religious to very devoutly religious, but if you ever are aware of that or aware of a kind of uncomfortable quality or an insincerity or a disconnect or a feeling of wanting to be sincere to the text or to people's religious feeling when conveying religious text. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I lost you at Beethoven. No, I, 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 I think that's fascinating. Can I just ask you, when was the, the, Beethoven, the, the Mr. Cinemas that you did? I can't remember. Yeah, Don't like two or three years like ago. A, no, it was like a year ago. Oh, right, quite. So, you know, recently, yeah. yeah. And and how's it been since then? So, for instance, when we did the Bath Motets, for instance, and, and other religious music, once you've had that... Once uh, you've had the revelation, you can't stop thinking about it. Yes. I'm thinking about it all the time. Yes. And what I, do you mean, the, 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 the translating God into, na into nature? Translating God into nature, and also generally just trying to think... Worry maybe is an insincerity in the way I'm singing this. Like I sing in Lincoln's yeah. in which is just across yes. the way, yes. and we were singing a hymn, um, and there was a kind of I've got this sense of that strikes me that a lot, a lot of people agree that they love about religion is the familiarity, comfortable words. You know, there's this bit in the sem in the service. It's called the comfortable words. Yes, here what comfortable words are. You say, yes, yes, and I kind yeah. of feel like there's something in there that people love. It's like a bit of nostalgia. And it's a bit of regularity. It's the rhythms of the day. It's why people like Compton at the end of the day. Yes, right. Um, and but we were singing a hymn, and you know how you sing a hymn. You're getting through it. You're singing your alto, <laughs> alto harmony that no one's listening to. And but the words were something really graphic about Christ on the cross. Yes. And I think we, we, we we're way too comfortable. You yes, know, we're just singing this like yeah, like, like it's yes. just like it's what we do all the time. And I started to think like actually should we make ourselves more uncomfortable? And I remember so vividly what you said about Zinc Dimham one of the um, motets. Mm. So you're enjoying yourselves too much. You're just reveling in the music and the notes and like this is quite fun, isn't it? It's quite nice music. Whereas actually, if you think more carefully about what are you trying to convey, are you trying to change the audience in any way? Yes. But in almost we need to be made more uncomfortable. This is, I mean, it's yes, no, it's, gen it's genuinely fascinating. And, and, and can I just ask just about the nature thing? Because has it, it, it you could think about it, and does it work? I mean, does it work for you? Do you does it, do you, do you, do you think, now I can do it? Now, now no, I, no, because, so say the math setting, perfect, yes. I can translate everything. Yes. We did a, um, uh, a program of Kunal before Christmas. Yes. So it that. was very tricky. I mean, I spent a long time trying to fight my way through the, so what is this about? And the old way and the new way, and this is the Jewish tradition. And it was a lot of it was about circumcision. It was dense in terms of kind of the kind of biblical references of it. And as someone that finds himself very much outside that world, I was like, I'm not sure I can, I don't even know where to start with this. I can't translate this for myself. So then what do I do? You know, like that. Uh, the one, yeah, well, no. Do you remember the the very beginning of St John's Gospel? Is in the beginning was seal it. There we go. There we go. biblical. Yeah. No. You, you, know you will know. Well, I've got it tattooed on my arm. No, what a ridiculous thing to say. Well, no, you, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, I'm sure. I bet you do. In the beginning was in the beginning was the word, word. and the word, word was, was God. God. See? And that's something. Yes. The word was with God. And the, that's yeah? a big yes, yes, yes. That's it. <laughs> well, see, and the in the Greek, which is it, I don't know what the Hebrew is. I should because I've got I'm more Jewish than anything. But the, the 
The Greek translation is logos. En her arche in the beginning, en to logos. I was I, I know I today because I studied Greek, but in the beginning was the word logos is the word that we get logic from, and which is the logic is the sort of is is stepping this one thing makes sense to the next it's like narrative and and actually logos one of the means of logos is is story so instead of it being reductive like in the beginning was the word and the word of god is like is this thing that you there's absolutely unchangeable boom that was the beginning it's actually if it's story it's much freer much more open yes and now see i can i'm I'm on board with that when it comes to things like the passions. The passions for me is easy because I think of it yes. much more as yes. acting. You're telling yes. a story. Yes. You're inhabiting a character, inhabiting the thoughts of someone. Yes. But what happens if it's a mass or something yes. which was Good. originally had a liturgical function, which now you've brought into the concert hall? How do you do that? Because yeah. which role, which yes. role are you playing? I've been, I think this is it. I think Kate, you've put your absolute finger on it. As far as in my, in my, there's a humble opinion from my limited experience. That's exactly what you have to do. And, and acting. You know, act. What do we is about what we do to people. Act is do, and not feel. It's not what we feel. And when we, I think, when we do religious music, we tend to go a bit into the feeling thing. So that's why Zing at Dim Hound, for instance, is is jolly. Dum dum ba da 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 dum. So we we be jolly. Zing and da 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 zing. And I think the interesting thing, and I think the thing that for me, just because I mean, I get to ask people to do things that I know I'm going to like. So it, it was much more interesting for me if people are there with a purpose that that, that, that I think also has has. Oh, thanks. Oh, lovely. And uh, we're now eating. Is this? Yeah, we should that's make fine. that clear for the listeners. I think that's fine. People love eating. Yeah, we're allowed to. Tom's having trout. <laughs> yes, and I'm having broccoli. a side of lemon and something broccoli. It looks extremely good, I must say. Oh, from here. Would you agree? Thanks. Thanks. If you, uh, if so, if you do, if um, and, and and I think that that just opens up all sorts of really useful questions. But as we zing at the hand, as we as we did, what and and really helps. Technically, I think singing because singing is a, is an unusual activity. We don't sing all the time. It's not a, it's not talking is a much more normal activity. But this isn't. You're not asked. We're not being asked to talk. We're asked to sing. And so, what is that action? Why are we even doing that? Just because we're paid to, or and just because Bach wrote it, and someone has to sing it, so we'll step in just because we're told to. I mean, that's a bit dull, isn't it? I think it's really interesting to, and I think this ties in very clearly with when you're singing Mr. Summerlemnis. Why are we doing it? What is the role? Of, and as you say, in the John Passion, in the Passion, it's much more easy because we're either pilot's wife or we're we're in Matthew Passion, of course. But we're, even the chorales, we know we're kind of congregational, or we're we we're meditating on something. So there's a much clearer role. If we ask the same questions about the mass, who are you talking to, and what are you trying to do to them? Then I think the question, maybe the questions of, of whether we believe or not, go out the window because because it doesn't matter. We've got a job to do. I posed this question to our Solomon's Not Sopranos, Zoe Brookshaw, and here Claire Lloyd Griffiths. I think I think we can come at it from many different perspectives and backgrounds because. In a way, what we think of it doesn't have any relevance at all. We, we're sort of vessels mm. of this music. We can view it in that way. We, we're a vessel and we're delivering something that has been you know, written, written by a composer and, and, and it's all there in the music. Yeah. Um, 
and in the words and we we can deliver it in that way obviously the more we dig into it and understand it the, Hmm. The, the more we'll connect to the performance. Also, you know, the audience, they've paid for a ticket. There's a contract there. They know who you are. They know what this is about. And it's kind of up to them how they receive it. But it's up to us to do our best to um, inhabit the music as best we can and the meaning of the words. And then leave it to them as to what they yeah. take from it. Yeah. I don't think we're pretending to be something we're not. We're not saying we are religious people and we mean this text. We are, We are sort of... Like Claire said, actually, we are a vessel, really, um, an intermediary between Bach and the audience. We're, we're the people who deliver it, and we must endeavour to do that as best we can. actually my whole question which I did possibly <laughs> as well as it being really indulgent is really generally self-indulgent and it's that all the time I think about <laughs> what is my experience of singing this yeah. rather than how am I serving the composer to communicate something to an audience right? yes you're very selfish the, value, <laughs> the most yeah. valuable experience of that this music can bring about is that which is experienced I think by the people who see everything I mean mm. when when I'm singing soprano I mean I am I'm really listening to everything that's going on but I can never step out of it yeah. I can mm. never step mm. out and see the full effect mm. of this spectacle and every all of those parts coming together although I think I think in Solomon's not we do get as close as we can we're on the other side of the carpet. My singing teacher always used to say, we're like a tapestry. We're, 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 we're behind, but when you come out to the front, you see the whole thing. But I think I really enjoy watching people on stage who just, who really look like they mean it. And, and whether that comes from a place of actually meaning it or pretending to mean it, I don't really mind mm. as long as it looks real. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Mm. I wonder <laughs> that the, the thing I find special about Song is not mm. is there's this, and any other good performing, is a sense that we're experiencing something genuine yeah. together. Yeah. Come and experience it with us. Of course. Rather than you are the audience, we are, this is what we're giving you. And it's yeah. kind of irrelevant how we feel about it, or it doesn't matter if it's not real to us or something. Mm. I, I think I like that version of it. I totally so agree. Much. 
Tom Guthrie again. Let's, I mean, just to add a random and completely unprepared, if we took the creed, which is I believe in, in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, that's an interesting one because that's a statement of personal belief, isn't it? I believe. It starts with that. But why, if we ask the question, why are you singing it and why are you saying it right then? Maybe it's because you don't believe or you need to convince other people to believe or you're standing up and saying something really powerful and strong in order to quell your own doubts or to maybe to, to, to you know. But isn't it interesting because I remember when I was at I don't know what the university, I remember yeah. when I was at university, I, um, when I was going through my slightly aggressively angry stage as I'm sure everyone does, I, I wouldn't say the creed. No. Yes, because I felt that there was a, a great insincerity and in like, I'm not going to speak these words. Yes. Now I've definitely kind of squared that opinion and I've kind of come to understand that it is your role to lead the congregation all that kind of stuff and I think I've just mellowed a bit on that but I think it's something to do with the fact that I would sing those words for sure and not question it but suddenly speaking it felt it, it immediately felt there was a kind of layer of remove so maybe when you're singing it it adds some layer of kind of artifice that you're like well, this is okay maybe the same thing is if you just also sing in another language you know whereas if you speak something English it suddenly feels so you feel so vulnerable you're saying something you're suddenly Oh, I really believe this. I asked Sheila Watson whether she feels we can slip too far into the comfortable rhythm of religious texts and instead need to be constantly feeling or assessing them afresh. Where is our attention <laughs> when, when we're involved in liturgy? And I think it's very easy to switch off. And I, I think sometimes as well, if you and I don't know if this is true for musicians, but um, if you're doing more than one thing in a service, um, you can be concentrating so hard on your role or perhaps the note or what's coming ahead in the music that your attention is not with what you're actually mm. seeing. And I think there's that balance, which I would, I mean, in a way, I would compare to something like driving. When, when it's automatic to us, we can almost forget that we've just driven a mile. Mm. Um, but actually, it's really significant that our attention is on what we're doing, because otherwise we won't see something. And, and do you ever find, be... maybe this is a ridiculous question, but do you ever find that you experience that? You know, you're saying these words, which have, must have become a rhythm for you. Do you ever feel like suddenly you just feel them much more acutely or vividly than ever? Or do you ever find yourself thinking, now I'm in the rhythm of this is how it goes? Or do you try to f say or feel the words afresh every time you do it, or you're not really well, aware of that? Um, I mean, if, one th if I put it for me in a prayer context, <coughs> Michael Ramsey was the great archbishop um, in mid-20th century. He used to talk about, um, somebody once asked him, how long did he pray for each morning? And he said, well, I'm there for half an hour and I might have prayed for one minute. Mm. And what he was talking about, I think, was something of that quality of attention. <laughs> Nicht zu entfliehen, nicht zu 
But even if one succeeds in singing, hearing or considering religious words afresh, is it still an uncomfortable situation to be so regularly saying things you simply don't believe? You're, you're there to move other people, aren't you? And it doesn't really, it's not your job to worry about what you personally think, possibly. Oh, do you think that means this whole question? And I did worry this. Huh. It's just a big indulgence. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you think. Just, just get on with it. Just sing your job. Like, just sing. Maybe I should worry less about, okay, this isn't how I feel. And I kind of give myself in more to the sense of, okay, how do those people feel? When we were in Bern recently, we did them. Um, the B minor mass and they had this beautiful you know those beautiful carved um, like choir stalls and also kind of the, the pews for yes. the congregation and they had these like, amazing kind of names of who would have sat there and I really love the sense of transporting yourself to that moment it's probably why I like really nice old pubs and mm, thinking yes. I'm transporting myself to being the person that's sitting in that congregation and how would you feel you know like when the Matthew Passion was done as part of like there was a sermon in the middle or something mm. wasn't there you I know guess. like you know how would you feel receiving that information particularly in a, in a time whereby you know religion was different people were God fearing right their children died in huge numbers yes. they it was a question of life and death and all the things of Yes. Humanity in primary colours, in a way that it's also just a bit more kind of polite and nice. <laughs> nice, you know, yes. charming bit of even song and then yes. some supper, you know. Yes, and, and, and the flower song. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Whereas then it was big, bold stuff, you know, when you say, Lord, have mercy upon me. You, you yes. really had to mean it. it. Yeah. And I, I mean, in some ways, I like the, the idea of translating yourself to being the audience and receiving that info and that, that text and that performance. I discussed this with the Reverend Sheila Watson, who is the preacher of the chapel at Lincoln's Inn, a place with an incredibly rich history, where previous preachers have included the poet John Donne. I mean, I, you're making me think, I, d I don't think I've ever sort of been in the chapel and sort of in my imagination people did in, in the way you're describing. And I'm just asking myself how far that's because um, I'd never compare myself, want to compare myself with John Donne, but also whether we're talking Donne or whether we're talking the other people, I mean, so many of them were men mm. that it seems quite foreign yes. to me um, because the Inn Chapel would have been particularly reserved for, for people who during those ages were inevitably so. Um, I think, I, think I, I do sometimes wonder whether it's about chapel here or elsewhere. I mean, that the services, as, as you were saying, would have been very long, a number of them, and uh, the question of audibility mm. is an interesting one. Um, and, and therefore, when we talk about attention and quality of attention in the way that we've been doing just what that was like, and I think some of it would have been a very different kind of activity, and I, a bit of me wishes I could go back in history and discover that. I think what... What does always speak to me is is that sense of place, whether it's in the inn or whether it's somewhere else, and it's a different sense of place according to where you are, but that that's where, you might say I'm being fanciful, but where you can sort of tell a building that has been prayed in and worshipped mm -hmm. in, there is, it's, it's in the stones, it's in the fabric, um, and and I think, I, you know, I certainly feel that's that's there in the chapel here mm. back in the pub with tom i think that's i know i think that's wonderful i think that all that can really help too and i i like i like you i mean i, I like 
I loved late long even songs in November with long psalms, beautiful song psalm chants, and only about four or five people there, and big dark and the big candles, and and all that beauty and peace and 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 sanctuary, but but also time and, and sort of space and and those those things. We were just talking about being Quakers, weren't we? And, and how that going somewhere where you might be silent for a whole hour is is a wonderful idea. But that it is. I mean, in a sense, it's spirituality, isn't it? It's, it's it's not about religion. It's about about having the time to connect with yourself and also a sense of gratitude to nature, the well, world. Well, it's funny because people often say to me, uh, one of my students, in fact, said to me in the lesson I was talking to her about this, and he said, yeah, in the moment, I feel religious. And I was like, well, yeah. what does that mean? And he's like, well, it's nothing to do with believing in God. And I was like, well, what is it then? Because for me, sometimes I have this moment of kind of uh, epiphany or whatever it is. You know, I have this moment, I think, gosh, life just suddenly feels technicolor. And it's because I'm experiencing singing a piece of music in close proximity to other people and the kind of real special quality of sharing that with other people. Does that make sense? I'm like, yeah. I feel like, is that religion? Well, what is that? You know, some people say like, <laughs> what is spirituality? You know, is it like kind of hippie dream catchers and eating lentils? I mean, I don't know. Or is it something about, I just feel life very vividly for a second. And being in the present, and yeah. being and things like meditation, and things like you know, don't do that constantly no. for ten minutes, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think it's probably a different thing for different people, of course, but it's uh, in terms of going back to singing and meaning it and, and feeling that connection with yourself while you do it I, tell, I think I probably am in the in belief that there's a discipline about what we do which, which means it is a bit indulgent to in terms of the literalness of religion versus you know the stuff that we can't that most people I, I suspect now you know and probably even if they are full, full of faith and full of full of certain religion religious beliefs can probably understand because of the world we live in you know the, the idea that there's the things that we can't stomach maybe are, are are not the point this idea of imagination this idea of story it's not a question of whether god is real in a sense it's a, it's a it's a fact of our human nature that we that we will make our own or we will make gods in other words there's a kind of imaginative level going on where we'll tell stories and we'll make a myth of it like like, when, like during the pandemic i had this really strong sense of um you know this um this idea all the time in particularly in bark of the kind of the tussle between good and evil mm. and um and i kind of feel that like all the time in life is this kind of tussle between being distracted towards you know really annoying annoying things which just exist all the time in life like I'm very smart about not being on social media but social media and an obsession with like what people look like and like consumer goods and like yeah. being on trend with all that stuff like just unbearable bullshit and and I love the sense of I'm just going to push that to the side and really think carefully about what I consider to be good and valuable in life and I really feel like that is exactly the, the religious dichotomy that people are struggling with all the time in all the music we kind of talk about it's just that my version of it is come on just go go to the woods and read a book don't you yes. know spend your time on social media worrying whatever else is yes. looking like and whether you're quite the right shade of orange or whatever yeah. it is you're supposed to be you know yeah. and I, I do feel that really acutely that it's possible to find your own version of those things yeah and then and then that, uh, do you, I mean, maybe those things are translatable. 
I mean, even if, for instance, let's go back to the creed, and you're singing Mr. Solemnis, and you're thinking, well, I, I don't believe in God, so I'm going to have to now sing Credo in Unum Deum. Is, is, it in, is it in Latin? I don't even know that piece very well. I'm ashamed to say, yeah. Credo in Unum Deum, blah, blah, blah. And, and you, in other words, you're speaking in the first person, and you're thinking to yourself, but I, I don't. I don't mean this. Um, is it translatable in the sense that, as a role, you're singing something which is very personal, and it's about, I am committing to an understanding that there's something outside of me, which is, could be, I think your nature idea is, 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 is ideal. I mean, I, I, I can really see that working. That's outside of me that I need to engage with. In fact, after our performance of the Beethoven Mrs. Solemnis, John Elliott directed me to a scribbled note on a piece of manuscript paper from 1812, in which Beethoven wrote, To the Almighty One of the Woods where every tree speaks through thee. O oh God, what glory in the woodland! In the heights is peace, peace to serve him. So one can quite imagine that somewhere between his Freemasonry and lapsed Catholicism, Beethoven might have even made this translation or found this resonance himself. I was thinking, you know, when do you consider that you, you know a piece of music? Right, so I've, I learn the notes, right? Yeah. I can learn the notes pretty quickly, and yeah. then like, I'm going to sing the right syllables in the right place, and I'm going to get roughly the right notes. Okay, so that's one level of learning. Very glad to hear it. Then I memorise it, mm. you know, so we're, like, there's a lot of kind of self-congratulation, but oh my God, you guys sing my memory. Yeah, that's one thing. But it's really about spending time with a piece, yes. really. That's what it really translates to. Right. And then there's another level of learning, which is, okay, I can sing it by heart, but I'm like, do I really understand it? What am I thinking yeah. when yeah. I'm singing it? Yeah. If I'm just thinking, okay, two beats for until the soprano entry, three beats until the tenor entry, well, then do I really know it? Yeah. Like, do I need to know it to come of a greater depth than that? And <laughs> I love the sense that, you know, the more you think you know something, then you don't know it at all. Yes. I've sung the Matthew Passion by heart, I'm, you know, preparing it to do it at Solomon's Night, and I don't know it at all. There's things I think, well, like, what does this fit in? You know, how does this chorale, what's the context of this chorale? Why am I singing this after the previous moment? It's like, kind of taunting that the more you think you know it, you realise, you know, that's, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I can sing it technically by heart and put all the right words and the right in, in the right place and all the right notes around us. I can even know the translation absolutely bang on yes. the note. I still don't really feel I know it. And then I can read it. I can almost kind of analyse it, which I tend to do as a kind of way of memorising it. And then I can read around, you know, I spend my life looking up, so I've got 78 multiples, spend my life looking up things of like, what does it mean when it says the daughters of Zion? Why yes, are they daughters? Yes, why are they yes. daughters? And why is Christ always a bridegroom? What is that always mm. what's that about? Why yeah. are we singing that all the time and not really thinking, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> we just yeah. We just thought, oh yeah, sure, just yeah. Is Christ the bridegroom again? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Whereas you see, when you come from my background, which is one which yes. is very much out of this world of presumed knowledge, you're thinking, what? I remember, you know, what are all these assumed things that we're just so used to mm. talking about? And why not we why aren't we kind of questioning you? Well, I well, and not not to say that we consider them to be wrong in any way, but just that we haven't thought more carefully about what we're trying to convey. You know? Well, I I love all that. I mean, I, I and I think it's so important that one keeps questioning, and I think it's the absolute answer to this curiosity again, isn't it? But it's also it's the absolute answer to any kind of modern performance, any kind of performance. 
to ask the questions because it has to be it has to be new every time. You have to ref- you have to refresh it because for the audience it's that moment when you're all in the same place and there's this communion with each other on stage, but also with the audience and this energy exchange and it's coming together. So I, and, and I think that's the absolute thing. And I, that's but that's where I think the role thing in the and the action. You know, what are you doing and what who are you talking to and what are you trying to do to them is such a useful key. Because, because once you start to ask those sort of questions, that there's so many potential answers that can change. And the context of it, like, why would, and, and this, for me, this acknowledgement of singing as well, why, not even to take that for granted. Not even just the, the, you know, that we've got this text, what does it mean, the bridegroom of, you know, of the church, whatever it might be. It, this idea that you're actually, you're not reading it, you're singing it. So what does that mean? Why, let's not take that for granted. Let's not, you know. What did singing mean for people? You know, like the yeah. Lutheran chorale yeah. context of like singing together, doing yes. something together. Well, I think the historical, historical um, uh, sort of context of singing is really interesting. But but even what, what you, just just the prime, you know, what human? What, what, why do we? If I want to communicate to you, Kate, I'm not going to go. What are you having for pudding? I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. Unless, I wish you were. Yeah. <laughs> the motivation of singing these religious texts, do we also need not to forget that those that had a previously liturgical function would have existed in quite a different way? It's a mass, but it's incomplete, Mm. because mass is not being said or celebrated, and therefore it's a partial activity, but the meaning you want to communicate relates to the whole. And and therefore I I do think that's something complex. I think if you take if you take a passion that's slightly different because though it would be within the context of a service like Palm Sunday or Good Friday, um, it is still a, a, an entire bit in itself. Mm. It's mm. not that you're taking yes, yes, parts, you, part, you know, settings parts yeah. of, um, and therefore I, I, and it is a drama. It is mm. the drama of the passion, and therefore 
I, to my mind, I would expect that to be easier. Mm. And, and in a way, if I, if I go to hear something like that, I think I probably find that easier to enter into it in a spiritual context. That's interesting. I was going to ask you, maybe this, this is impossible to, to answer, but are you, do you experience, do you receive the music differently if it's in, in the church whether it, or whether it's in a concert hall? Do you feel like you're aware I think of it? I, well, I think what's true is that I go to it with a different expectation. Mm. Um, but it's quite complicated because it's, it's, there are all these differences between when I'm leading a service, when I'm in the congregation, mm. where, and, and each of them makes a difference. Never mind, you know, what have you just been doing and how are you feeling and how recollected are you when you come in and sit down? So I, I think that's a, that's a subject in its own right, yes, in a no, way. Yes, of course. Yeah. But, OK, so answer me this. So, well, well, I did um, uh, a Messiah with Alex Ashworth, mm. SK bass baritone, bass baritone? Yeah. Not sure. Um, before Christmas, it just gone up in the world. And um, someone came up to him afterwards and they, he'd sung, you know, all of the classic bass arias and maybe, you know, the trumpet shall sound. And, he said, and she said to him, I see in your eyes, you know God. Yes, I see that you know God. Yeah. And you know the way you sing and the way yeah. you put the text across, you know God. And yeah. Of course, Alex went. Hmm. Oh, well, yeah. um, I suppose so. Maybe Thank a little Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think possibly. And I suddenly I was like, oh, it's almost like he'd been so fervent in putting his text across. And then actually, once someone, when someone said, "And do you believe this?" I felt like he'd been caught out. Mm. And like, do you see what I mean about yes. the insincerity of that? Is if you were an actor, you know, Zoe said to me, you know, you don't have to be a serial killer to be um, sweet yes. and told. Yes. Yeah, there's absolutely that. But there's a sense that do people forget that when you are yes. singing a religious text? Well, it's terrific if they do, isn't it? Because then you're, you have done your part well. I mean, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think... I'm uncomfortable with that, the playing I know. part thing. I know, especially with religious things, right? Because, yeah. because there's, I mean, I get that. I get that, but I, I, I don't think there's a way around it. Because you can't suddenly become religious and say, I believe in one God, and, and say, I've got to believe that, otherwise I'm, I'm a bullshitter and I, I, I'm really insincere and I'm, I'm a fraud. I, I think it's also, I, it really taps into my hatred of artful bullshit. It's like I say most in my lessons to my students, you know, I say, so, yes. what does that line mean? And they're like, oh, I think it's something to mm. do with flowers. You're like, no, no, no. What does that word mean? Mm. Mm, I don't know. Mm. Well, then it's artful bullshit. Yeah. And we have all been so well trained in it. Yeah. And I feel like you have to let it quietly dissolve out yeah. the line. If the older yes. you become, the more hopefully thoughtful you become. Yes. It's, it's like, yeah, I think particularly kind of English call the English call tradition. We're so good at artful bullshit. I mean, like, I can do quite a negative impression of it. I know roughly it's, you know, the yes. affect. Yes. What is the affect? The yeah. affect is kind of a bit sad, yeah. possibly hopeful, whatever it is, yes. you know. Yes. And, yeah. and whereas actually, I hate that. Yeah. It's the one thing I like about Solomon's Not is I feel like that layer of artful bullshit of, we can do quite a good impression of this. Yes. Dissolves because we all have to spend a lot of hours mm. earning it. So you feel like, yeah. no, I really know this. But then now my problem is I feel like, that makes me realise I don't know it at all. No, I, I love that about you guys as well. I, I think that's, I think, that, you know, and knowing some of you individually as well, uh, I think that's a real thought. You're a thoughtful group, you know, you do, and you don't, don't let things um, just go by the way. So I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I think, and I, I mean, that's why it was such a pleasure to work with you because I think, I mean, everything you're saying is what I think we need to do. The only thing I would say slightly different to what you're saying, I think, if it's interesting, is, is this element of not just what. I think that you probably mean this as well, but with the artful bullshit, it's 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 a bit like word painting, for instance. You know, and you get this, 
you get the word Schwarz in a, and I've, I've got one that I was working with another group I think Fagellini it might have been and this, this there was this I think it was German <laughs> I mean it was it was anyway it meant black and so they were colouring it in black and and it's often the way isn't it you get the word love and you go love or you get the word death what happens if you do the yeah. Yeah. well yeah what happens if you do the opposite you really just ask, you have to ask what question again who are you talking to what, why are you why are you saying it so you might be saying you know th- th- there, is, there is only release in death so you never say in other words you're reassuring someone you, you never say there's, there's, there's only release in death <laughs> I mean that's nonsense you wouldn't do it but somehow we do it if we feel we're being expressive sometimes when in music we go sterben because you think that's expressive and that is awful bullshit for me as well you've got to ask who I think it's really simple you ask who you're talking to and what you're trying to do to them and, if, and then you get multiple answers and they can change. So am I putting too much pressure on my own belief and should I concern myself solely with what I'm able to communicate? I asked Solomon's Not Sopranos, Zoe and Claire. Because I know that both of you are mm. in the scale of being, you know, hmm. totally not from a religious world at all to something that even if at some stage of your stage uh, of your life felt you mm. may, might have been quite a religious person. We're all, and I think the whole of Scotland's not really a, on quite different places on that scale. Mm-hmm. So, do either of you feel like it's something you've thought about before, or been uncomfortable with before, or not? I I don't ever feel uncomfortable with that, especially in a concert, because I feel different about singing it in concerts to singing it in services. I think the only place I ever maybe feel a bit duplicit is if I'm leading worship. Okay. Um, and I, maybe this is something you might talk to Sheila about, but I think it's different when you're, you're being paid in both of those scenarios, but on, in one, in the concert hall or even in a church when it's a concert, as I said, there's, a, there's an understanding between you and the audience. They know who you are and why you're there and vice versa. And, and therefore I feel it's... it's when I say it's my job, that sounds kind of trivial or like I wouldn't care about the material, which isn't the case at all, but there's an understanding there. It's always been my experience of, of, of church and of, of the brand of Christianity that I, I come from, Catholicism, I, that, that, I, that all are welcome in a way. Um, and in the sense that I mean, churches can be they're very welcoming places everyone's very welcome to come because I mean you can't convert someone unless they come through the door in the first place <laughs> I feel like that, that I've always been quite comfortable with the idea that there's there's room there for everyone and and sometimes people go up for communion and, and sometimes they don't um that's their own decision you don't I, have to have a membership card do you, you don't have a membership yeah. card everyone can come along um you don't have to be baptised to be there. You, you don't have to believe to be there. Um, yeah. You can just be there. <laughs> and that is quite I, wonderful, really, isn't it? That's quite yeah. a wonderful idea. Um, yeah. Ich freue mich, dass du mich freust, mit Freude 
question, and maybe this is too broad, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Is okay. So you're talking about what are you? Who are you talking to? And what are you trying to do to them? Mm. How do you feel about the um, the relevance? That's quite a tricky word. Big word nowadays. Isn't it? The relevance of doing really specifically, you know, music, baroque music, religious music, yes. when one wants to appeal to, maybe you don't want to appeal, maybe you're like, well, this is what we do, tough, but like, to appeal to wider audience, you know. Who doesn't want to be reassured? Who, who isn't anxious at some point? Who, who doesn't feel uh, 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 an energy coming from, from, go back to the, uh, you know, example of du jour, if you love me, if, if you, if you came up and you wanted the fact that the performers are trying to reassure you, it doesn't, 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 it doesn't matter at all whether they tick the box and they you know, what did you get from that? Oh, I felt reassured, job done. They get, they take whatever they want from it, but what it will be is it'll have integrity. And, it'll and maybe have, that's what we need to think about in yeah. terms of the audience. Don't worry about whether, whether the, your audience are religious or not. Just offer them something and see what they take from it. Yes, absolutely. But to do that, the, the, well, I think the best way of doing that convincingly is that you have to be, you have to be, you have to get a level of, of integrity about what you sing, which goes back to your original question, right? How do you how do you feel that integrity? And it goes back to Alice Apple singing trumpets or sound. You clearly achieved that in that moment, where and the, then the question is how how do we achieve it? And I that's what that's what our job that's what my job is, and and your questions. I mean that's what it's all about. How do, how do you do it in any one situation so that? people can take something genuine from it that touches them. I think that's really important for all the storytelling. Don't tell people what to think. Zoe again. Can we sometimes get too involved in the process yeah. and, and actually imposing ourselves on the music making too much and then it becomes about us yeah. whereas it That's, really should yeah. be about the music and the words and the drama. And, and when I was struggling with my performance anxiety a few years back I someone a you know therapist said to me very helpfully Again, what we were talking about, just imagine yourself as a vessel, i.e. you're sort of inherently unimportant. And, and that's a way of removing yourself from the situation, just to kind of say, OK, well, I'm just here. It's my voice, but, you know, you can kind of float above your body a bit and be a bit removed from it. I think that's a really helpful tool to help you get through that kind of experience. Equally, I don't know, I think there's something, I think there's something joyful as an audience member about watching people do something where they feel emotionally grounded and secure and whether that's communicating joy or a deep sorrow I don't know I think I think there has to be an integrity there mm. of, of emotion of what you're feeling and I don't know 
But sometimes you don't feel it, do you? But do any of these questions really make a difference to how we perform the music? But I was having this thought as well because I stupidly suggested or agreed to or suggested, I can't remember, um, that I sing Ibarmadip when we're doing the Makibashi. Mm. Ridiculous moment of confidence, which I immediately regretted. And I thought, oh, no, no, because I always avoid the kind of big, yes. famous numbers. And I was like, no, no, I won't do that. I'll do that random other little R that no one's ever heard of. Um, and I was uh, like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then like, I was kind of panicking with this sense of, okay, it's got to be really perfect. Yeah. It's got to be really poised. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, I've yeah. got in, the, in my head this sense of these kind of beautiful yeah. cow's tails yeah. soaring over an endless yeah. line where they never breathe. Yeah. And I was suddenly like, well, actually, maybe what people might like as an alternative is something which feels very human and it feels very raw and maybe it's not perfect and it's a bit kind of broken biscuits around the corners but you know it's meaningful and and actually maybe I need to obsess less about the perfection of things it's like what are we aiming for just a dutifully perfectly perfectly um, <laughs> that's the word you know perform something or or do we want a kind of rendering of the piece which is feels honest and emotional and is that okay I mean you don't want to be a big old mess do you you know just Stop at two glasses of wine. But you know, you know. But is there a sense that it's okay that it's not perfect, and maybe that's hundred percent. I mean, of course. I mean, I totally agree with that. And I, I but I, and I, the, the question sort of means a bit how. And to me, that in other words, for, for Obama, I think it's really important to me that it, to, to me personally. But I think I would say to an audience for a genuine experience that isn't like they're recording and never was supposed to be, and they get it because it's got integrity and it's got real meaning. How do you do that? Well, you you need to absolutely be be asking whoever you've decided to be asking for for release, and and, and so it's much more. I think that's the secret to it. It working is is to is the same questions, which by the way sound really pat and sort of like reductive. But I've come out of, of my entire experience of. I mean, I, that's what I ended up thinking. Well, actually, you could reduce it to these no, two questions. I'm, that I know you say that because you probably ask those questions a lot. But strangely, <laughs> we don't ask them a lot. No. You know, we kind of no. go, okay, wait a minute. Have I memorised my semi yeah. waivers and I come in after you, whatever? And actually, sometimes we miss the big questions. Yes. Of what am I trying to ask you to do? Yes. Or what do I want from you? Or yes. Like, what am I trying to? Do? Yes. Yeah, How am I trying to change you? Yeah. And that's why I think it's, that's that's why I like it. That's why I described it, your yes. kind of approach to things as raw, mm. because it's like get straight to it. Yeah. You know, to get all of that kind of dusty historical knowledge that you kind of need to know and then immediately forget. Like, what is it that you want from this? But at and the I risk of sounding sort of you know mutually self-congratulatory, I think that's what I love about what your question is. As also, you know, like like it, you know genuinely how, how how do you do it so that it's got integrity and it's got meaning I mean I think it's I think it's and, and the artful bullshit and, and wanting to get away with from that I think it's it's um, it's, it's, it's absolutely it's, it's, it's exciting because that's exactly what what should be happening and 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 is, is the route to and it's interesting like you said I mean that I think we all really struggle with that uh, at the same time that I'm convinced with the argument that music needs more purpose than just beauty, sometimes I wonder that perhaps entertainment isn't a dirty word. Maybe it's okay that a piece of music, particularly one with an originally religious intention, becomes simply a thing of beauty to admire and enjoy, or becomes something whose meaning has transformed totally and acquires a whole new context among its modern audience. Zoe Brookshaw here. But there's also a sense that isn't, is that not the function or the role of, of art, of music? Is to actually not be all about the words and the meaning and the actual theology. Like part of art and music is experiential and just 
listening to or watching something beautiful. Yeah, and, like what and people say about music mm. is that's what um, music takes over where words. Exactly, and, there, and there's a truth in that, mm. and and there's a and I think I don't hope I'm not putting words into Bach's mouth, but I think he would have felt that's part of his his duty as a composer is you know to the glory of God and and this actually is almost an end in itself, mm. like that the beauty of the music is is something religious or mm. spiritual in in some way. There's you know. Art has that function, a transcendental quality in and of itself, perhaps. Mm. Mm. Mm, right. Back in the pub with Tom. And it's the curse of the recording a bit, isn't it? That, that and that we know these these they've become hits, and we and we we love them. We love that Captain Asori thing because it, it works. Well, we did a piece recently and, uh, um, in a program, and it was like, oh yeah, we know this one. It's the Nondimittis. Yes. Like, okay, great. Immediately, yeah. that's comfortable. I yeah. Like, Wait a minute. Yes. Lord, now let us let thy servant depart in peace, yes, according please to please you know, from my eyes. And I kind of think we've got to continually. Mm. refresh these things in our heads yes. like we're saying for the first time yes. and it's just when you you know when you don't do that and you slip into kind of just being comfortable and not really thinking about it then it becomes just a bit tiny. yes it, and and this and everything we're talking about I think it's, it's the gift that keeps giving because there's always there's always you know it's always going to make it much more fun and much more and much more interesting much more interesting and the other great thing about this which, is, which I don't, we obviously don't want to, towards the end of the conversation we don't get overly academic but I think there is this whole history of the influence of rhetoric, things like Renaissance things, where the composer doesn't write very much detail, doesn't say allegro con brio, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and this metronome mark and this crescendo and rubato here and the writ here. They don't do that. They just put they just put the notes down. And the reason is that the, that the whole system of of the of their education and the way that they communicate and the way they analyze their communication and the way they it was that there was clearly the, the, the writer has a certain amount of responsibility and the performer has and literally in, in classical terms half the responsibility and in other words the responder has to ask the questions if you handle without I think I feel the weight of that responsibility, right? Yeah, well, good. It's I mean, so good. much easier, wouldn't it? If yes. I could tell you exactly how to do it, exactly, you just have to exactly. Yes, it would, yeah. but you've, no, I, I, I know you went enough to know you that would bore the sh pants off you, Kate. There are so many more branches to this discussion that I'd like to consider. What would it feel like to sing in a synagogue? What does it feel like for someone of a totally different world religion to sing within the Christian musical world? Is that really happening very often? What does it feel like for an instrumentalist to play a religious piece? Is that a clearly different experience to something secular? If we were to compare the experience of singing Bach's religious settings with those in which he later reused the same music, but with secular texts, would we find a clear way to assess if there's a difference in our performance, our experience? I'll have to leave those questions and many others left hanging for future discussion. But having gathered these thoughts, I've returned to my original question. What I've discovered is that I'm arguably indulging massively in concerns about the integrity and the sincerity of my own experience. Instead, perhaps I should feel more that I'm serving either the audience, the composer, the music itself, the experience. And perhaps I should allow myself to wallow in that uncomfortable, grey, muddy area where it's not a binary question of do I believe what I'm saying or not? Maybe the shades and nuances or where lie all of the joy. To finish, some particularly wise words from my wonderful colleagues, Zoe and Claire. It never bothered me that it, it, it might not be true. It was more mm. 
what can we take from this? In the same way that a, a myth, I accept that as not factual, but still a good story, and it yes, may it may <laughs> impart meaning. And I, and and that sort of that sort of ultimate acceptance of our humanity is at the heart mm. of them. Um, of, of, of I think religious practice or should be and um, and, and it's, 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 it's something that I feel also during our concerts <laughs> and maybe also striving for yes for not perfection but striving always to be better and to yeah. make what you're doing a worthy offering mm. for whomever <laughs> whatever yes. I think that's a really important part of what it is to be a human and what it is to be a performer as well mm. and we're always just trying our best and I think that's really important yeah, yeah.